I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh. I'll do this my part. I forgot Whoa. to do my part. So welcome, on, welcome, welcome to Really uh, with Tom and Dave. Uh, I am Dave Foley, uh, which we didn't. We, we figured it was more casual just to say our first names. And of course, Tom Wheeler uh, is the the full name of Tom from the title. That's my full. There's yes, Tom. my given and my whatever else that's called. What are this called? Um, surname. Look, so it's given your given name and your surname, or your uh, or your Christian name is the other term, right? For your yes. first name, they call that your Christian name. Okay. Um, okay. You know, I thought David, it was like a. Tr- I think it's a trade name. Trade uh, name. A wheeler. I mean, a wheeler. Would it right? I, I mean, wouldn't that have been a someone who, uh, like a wheelwright, uh, someone who makes wheels? Uh, I have to yeah. assume. And there was a yeah. lot of them. They're all over the place. I know Coopers make barrels. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Coopers yeah. make Fo- barrels. And I know Foley's make mistakes. Um, I thought they did VO in the background of, uh, of certain yeah, Yes. A lot of, they do a lot of footsteps. A lot of footsteps. A lot of... Uh, <laughs> Coconuts and... Yeah. Yeah. Creakly yeah, paper to make fire. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. We, I, look, we, someday we'll do a whole pod on uh, riffing on our names. Mm-hmm. Which, given you know, they're that they're not really that exotic. No, hats no, off to us for the young people. There, they're freaky. Yeah, it's true. But look, we got a lot going on tonight. We do today, tonight, this morning, this yeah. afternoon, wherever you're listening and enjoying uh, your really podcast, and also everything else. Instagram, really underscore podcast underscore official. Uh, participate. Let yeah. us know what you think of our reels yeah. and everything and everywhere where fine podcasts are listened to. Yeah. Follow us um, on your follow us on your stock ticker on your uh or on your old teletype machine. Yes. Uh yes, we, if you have one of those. Yes. Those old Halloweeny radios um yeah. you know that with Vincent Price on them or and speaking of which it's our Halloween episode, Dave. Yes, it is. Yeah, we're we're gearing up for the festival. Not that we're we're not. We're not actually. We're gonna. We're not gonna give out candy. Uh, no, because we, we you got in trouble gonna, for that, right? The, yeah, but we are last. going to embrace the season. 
um, mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a Halloween episode. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk some spooky stuff. Yeah, well, uh, there's we're gonna talk some ghosts. Um, we got a good ghost story for you that yep. is also that will be um, provided by a, a wonderful guest, good yes. friend friend of both of ours. Yes, a fabulously busy individual. I'm just going to run you through some of what Jeff Russo has been up to. Jeff uh, is an Emmy award winning and Grammy nominated composer scoring varied and compelling music for film, television and video games. He just received two Emmy nominations this year. Go Jeff. One for his score of FX Network's uh, Emmy award winning Golden Globe winning series Fargo. Soon to have Mr. Dave Foley on it, for which uh, Jeff won an Emmy in 2016 and earned two additional nominations. Uh, the second for HBO Max's Oslo, which he co-composed with Zoe Keating. Uh, Jeff also received a BAFTA nomination for Best Music for Annapurna Interactive's video game, What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, his film credits include uh, Bartlett Shear's Oslo with Ruth Wilson and Andrew Scott, uh, Lorelei, uh, which premiered at 2020 Tribeca Film Festival, Noah Hawley's Lucy in the Sky, Craig Massanelli's Lizzie with Chloe Sevigny and Kristen Stewart, uh, Peter Berg's action thriller Mile 22 with Mark Wahlberg, many more. And then in TV, my lord, CBS's Clarice. Uh, he's doing the music for Star Trek Picard with the ageless Patrick Stewart and Star Trek Discovery. FX's Fargo, as we mentioned, Legion, uh, Apple TV's For All Mankind, Umbrella Academy, and my personal favorite, Cursed, also with Netflix and with Catherine Langford. And we'll talk about that a bit today. But then in addition, is that if that's not enough to composing music for film and television, he's also a founding member, lead guitarist, and co-songwriter of two-time Grammy-nominated multi-platinum selling rock band Tonic. Their debut album, Lemon Parade, posted three singles in the U.S. mainstream rock and charts top 10 with... If you could only see me, I'll sing the whole thing later. Um, but that, if you could only see, rocketed to number one. And in 2003, the band received two Grammy nominations, one for Best Rock Performance by a Doer, a group with vocal for Take Me As I Am, and one for Best Rock Album. Let's listen to a little of Jeff Russo's fabulous music from Fargo. <laughs> stuff beautiful stuff there he is very <laughs> oh you don't look as moody as your music <laughs> yeah i'm in a good mood there you mm-hmm. go we should be with all that cool shit going on man you just kept you just kept reading you just i kept was reading. i was like i'm going all the way and i didn't even get yeah. to half of it it's what can i say man you're you're a busy fellow you're doing oh. you know some yeah. wonderful stuff I'm uh, I'm extremely extremely fortunate to yeah. to be able to just continue to make some music. I think for... I think you I think you scored the music that was in my head as I was on a walk earlier today. <laughs> I think it's possible. I think I, I think I owe you. I think I owe you some royalties. Yeah, his agent's gonna actually call you about that. that yeah. thing. No, uh, yes. Jeff, you're yes. you're this is uh this is just a hangout session because we've been friends for years. Our family's been friends for years. 
our daughters are besties, even though they're now at different schools. Uh, Ivy, one of my favorite human beings. Um, Charlie, too. He's just a great family. Give my hugs and love to everybody, Nina all right. and all of them. Will, they all know I'm here right now. Good, good. We'll hope they, they tune in. I don't and... know your kids. I'm going to assume they're nice. Um... Actually, you know what's very funny, Dave? You've, you've actually met my daughter. Oh, did um, I? We were, I don't remember. It was... It was at a Christmas party or some other party that you were at, and maybe it was at- Was it at our, our house? It might have been at your house. That would make it sense. Have, it could have been at Andrew Reich's house. Um, now I'm jealous of Andrew Reich. Um, maybe. I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember like the, the, there were the two of you, and I, I forgot to mention when we were having dinner in, um, in, in, uh, in Calgary- mm -hmm. uh, I forgot to mention that, but in fact, you might actually know my, my, well, at least one of my, well, well that's good. Well, I'm, oh, that, and now I, now I feel, now I feel more like I'm a you're part more of in the game. family. Yeah. You're, yeah. And they're yeah. both good kids. Yes. They are, yeah. you know, they are. Vouch for I, both. Probably, I probably had my daughter there too. So it, 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 it may, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe yeah. we're all, we all have excellent daughters on this podcast. Yeah. Um, tell me something. Um, about so this podcast which yeah. this was a surprise to me when, when you when you texted me last week it was a surprise to me and then you said oh me and dave foley i was like wait this is just weird that what's happening yeah. what's happening right now i i yeah. think we just had dinner not too long ago and, yeah. and now you're saying do a podcast so what what is what we're stalking you jeff what, yeah. what, other than what we're going to talk about mm-hmm well, we're, you know, we're, we, this is, has turned into mostly a UFO podcast. Ah, yeah. And, and I who asked you know, the questions around here? Uh, um, but, yes. But, Dave, but Dave course, dragged me into this mess. Actually, I kind of dragged Well, him you dragged too. me into the podcast. I dragged <laughs> you into the, I dragged you into the world of UFOs. That's true. Uh, now it's all out, right? Like their yeah. pictures and the U.S. government are like, yes, there's UFOs. And yep. Well, they've admit, they've made, they've admitted since 2017 UFOs are real. Um, but they keep, uh, they keep, making they keep making statements uh we have no evidence that they're of extraterrestrial origin um we just because they just don't know, advertise you we know we just they know they aren't from any country on earth right but don't worry they're not extraterrestrial they're not alien they're not alien they're but they're just not they're not they're not uh, us or uh, russia or china or latvia uh or ireland uh, <laughs> yeah, and then was... they go through the entire atlas and dave was i mean i was always sort of you know, curious and like interested in the topic. I had not been quite keeping up with what are sort of jaw dropping developments in the whole thing. And then Dave was meeting all these like crazy people inside the government and this and that and this expert here and that. And I was like, my, I, you know, I was uh, gobsmacked by what was happening and um, wanted a chance to hang out with Dave and, and talk to interesting folks. And uh, this is our Halloween episode. So we're going to pivot the little ghost pivot but mm -hmm. also talk some music too um because you're just doing a lot of stuff man like this first of all we work together on cursed netflix is our our lady of the lake fantasy series uh we 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 love her our dear our dear nimue which um, everyone everyone should watch if they have which everyone yeah still there yeah. on netflix let's go come I on just, guys in fact stop watching this um yeah, pause it start watching cursed <laughs> yeah <laughs> start watching cursed but it was, um, I have to say, the moment that, for me, like as a the kind of writer, producer, go to the orchestration that 
whole room, like all the, it's, it's sort of like putting the roof on the barn. It's just the cat. It's just such a moment of fulfillment and energy. And it's so cool. And it's such an important part of the storytelling process. Is that your favorite part of the process? What's your favorite part of the process? I would, I would say, yes. My favorite part of the process is when we get a bunch of people in a room to play the score that I've written and they all play it. And then it becomes something greater than it could have ever become without all those people, you know, coming together to do it. You know, it's one thing when I sit down and, and write something on a piano and my computer or whatever, and mock it up and make it sound, you know, vaguely like there's a lot of people playing, but once you get a number of people all sort of doing the same thing in a room, it becomes greater than the sum of its parts for lack of a better way to, way to put that. And that's my favorite part. My favorite part is because I, I usually conduct my own scores. Now I was only able to do that a couple of times um, it, with, with Cursed simply because we were in the middle of the pandemic yeah, and, and um, it, at the beginning of the pandemic, which was like, yeah. Yeah, know anything going out. on. Don't yeah. put anybody in the same room. Um, they weren't so much like that in Nashville, which is where we recorded most right. of that score. Was in right. Nashville. We were at Nashville. Warner. We were at Warner Brothers probably for the first, yeah. yes, first one or two. Yeah. I think. That's I was right. gonna say, and I think at that point in the pandemic, you still had to spray the entire string section with alcohol. <laughs> there was, and there yeah. were big sheets of plastic yeah. in between people. It was pretty nuts. Oh um, yeah, but that's my favorite part, like getting up and conducting it. Like once I've written it you know, and, and gotten through the point of, you know, doing all the notes and getting it perfectly to picture. And like, then we go and play it. That's, that's the, the fun part. Yeah. I once did get to go in, uh, uh, John Lasseter invited me down to hear Randy Newman conducting the orchestra oh, wow. for, uh, the Mon monsters university score. Yes. So I got oh, to go fun. into the, the Sony, uh, uh, the scoring stage or the orchestra, orchestra stage yeah. yeah it's barbara streisand the barbara streisand scoring stage over yeah there. and she she takes uh admission at the door yeah uh, she's there <laughs> it would not surprise me yeah didn't know that. uh yeah it's nice to meet her but it's really yeah. expensive but yeah, yeah got to got to watch uh and john of course dragged me he said come on come on and we had to stand right in the middle of the orchestra and yeah, it was pretty incredible. It's amazing. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah I loved it. I, I mean, I imagine also, I'm, I mean, Randy Newman, who is incredible. His music is incredible. And I've always been a huge fan of his for a very, very long time. But to see him do an orchestral score is a whole different type of thing. It's really great. Yeah, and you get to hear, I mean, if you're actually in the room, you can hear everyone grumbling about all the uh, key changes and time signature changes. Right. Yeah, just, oh, uh, oh why? Uh, e flat, yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah. Walk us through the process a little bit, because it's not like uh, the music just sort of shows up. I mean, it goes early. I mean, I I find it sort of fascinating because it starts out with we're kind of we'll talk like themes, right? I mean, it's we'll talk character themes or a main theme and and start to um, it, it's uh, where and and then in between you get all the fun, you know, notes from the studio, notes from the network, and notes from show right and that a little that what a where do you, how do you start with theme? I mean, is it, are you looking at the actor? Are you, we, you sometimes do you have footage even? I mean, what's, what are you, what are you working with at that stage? I, it, you know, it, it really depends project to project. Every, every filmmaker is different and you know, how, how you and I worked together was different and is different with, from how I work with Noah, for instance, on Fargo. Um, meaning like, when do I start the process? When do I, when do I really start writing themes and what do I need to really sort of kick off from? 
Um, mainly I'd start from a script. Sometimes I start from a first editor's assembly, or I just start watching dailies to get an idea as to how things are feeling. Um, and then I literally sit around and throw a ball against a wall and like sit next to a piano un until something sort of happens. I mean, I imagine a lot of that initial thing is the same for any writer um, as you just sort of, you, you have maybe an idea and you sit down and then something starts to happen and then you just start mm -hmm. writing. I'm, I'm using, this is the universal sign for writing, even though we're, we, yeah. we know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I, that I, made, I mean, that I, made I, sense I, to me. To me, I always feel like it's, there's, as a non-musician, uh, but someone who loves music, I, I, I feel like there's something magical and uh, almost to the point of, uh, 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 almost demonic, I think. Um, that with, how I feel about with, that. that. With, with just yeah. this, hand, there's this handful of notes, and every melody in the world is built on this handful of notes. And, and like the fact that you can still come up with something original and, and, uh, and come up with a new melody seems like just, it seems like it's mathematically impossible. Well, I mean, actually some mathematician did the, did the, um, the calculation. There is a finite number, right? It's not infinite. Um, so we might run out. Well, you don't run out. You, you just, use something that people don't remember, right? Everything is, everything is sort of, every melody I think probably has been done to some degree or another. Um, and it's just how you present the melody that's infinite, right? How it's presented in what form it's presented in, what instrumentation, what, um, you know, uh, what dynamic something is playing in, you know, I can, it, Strangely enough, like, so for this last season of Fargo, for instance, you know, there's a, I've written, a which I hear is great. I hear it's fantastic. The, We've got I mean, fully and have you been watching Dave nonstop for like months of now? Of course. I just finished the last episode. I know oh, yeah. everything that happens and I'm not going to say anything because it's going to come out soon. In any case. So I've written, I wrote a couple of themes, particularly there's a theme for your character. Um, and, and there are themes for a number of different characters. So I usually write themes on a piano or on a oboe or whatever, and it plays melodically, but now I transpose that onto kettle drums and all of a sudden you have a completely different, even though the kettle drums are playing the same notes and the same rhythmic pattern as the oboe when you're playing it on the drum, it's a totally different piece of music. So it's really That's all wild. about how you take a, any melodic content, any thematic content and how you present it and what you present it with. And that can be done in an almost infinite way. So, you know, every show and every movie and every video game, they all have a, a different tonality, a whole different way of telling the story with cursed. It was, you know, a very unique way to tell this story of the lady of the lake, which I found to be quite engaging for me to be able to write melodic music that was emotional and yet um, sort of swashbuckling at the mm -hmm. same time, because we had that sort of adventure thing happening. And I started writing based on Nimue, you know, her character was what I sort of jumped off of. I just always need that little bit of something to, so when I'm sitting there throwing the tennis ball against the wall, I go, ding, oh, yeah. that, that'll work. And then. It's so interesting. I mean, her initial, like that initial theme, um, you know, so haunting, really just evocative, um, like emotional, but, but like 
holding back some and and in a great way and uh it was it really is interesting how like the stamp just kind of goes on the identity of the show or the the tone of it and it kind of was you know it's it was hard for me. I mean, I love music. I'm not a mute. I don't know what, you know, instruments direct. I'm sure I was super annoying at the beginning just because it's trying to find, just trying to find like that um, sort of both trust and, and have, you know, and trust one's own intuition about it. And, and you're figuring it out and it's a new show and there's so many kind of decisions, you know, but um, we just hit this, you and I, I just felt like we hit this river and it was just, just going and flowing and it was, uh, and was great throughout, um, how, and one of the problems is honestly, and, and this, and it, while our two careers are similar, like writing and composing very similar, I don't have to deal with like temp track. <laughs> I don't have to deal with like that someone has, you know, that there's been a sort of semi-commitment to a music prior, you know, as they're just cobbling together and they're pulling this from pulling that. And I think, and sometimes people get attached to it or don't. How do you, do you just, do you, when you're the first time, have you ever heard the temp track? Do you bother? Um, like, how do you contend with that? So, sometimes. I think the answer is sometimes. It depends. Mm. Um, well. And as I understand it, the temp track for Cursed was Yakety Sax from the Benny Hill Show. <laughs> it was, you know, it's it, interesting. That was the first half season was yeah. just that piece of music. And I, yeah, I, I and we it, were and overusing hard. it a little bit. Yeah, they were moving. Once, it was The stories were moving once, and, you, had, and once, you needed something upbeat. Once it's in your consciousness, it's hard to think of anything else. <laughs> Which is why I chose the kazoo as the main yeah. instrument. Which took me a minute. It took me right. a minute, but then I understood. But I, fought, yeah. I fought for it. I fought. I said, yeah. we can do it. He's passionate. He's passionate. Generally speaking, I think the temp can be useful. It also it also can be, you know, what's the opposite of useful? Uh, imprisoning. That you know, it can it can be. It's gonna go not I mean, useful. But it, can, it can really harm. It can really harm yeah. because people get stuck on it, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I can't do the temp. Um, right. I can do what I think, and then let's try to get closer. So sometimes I listen to the temp, and I'm I'm very interested because it's a way for a filmmaker to help the composer know what the framework is. As long as I'm understanding that the filmmaker is not tied to a certain piece of music, right, right. it's just like, oh, well, we wanted something to start here and we want it to come out here. And it sort of gets big in the middle and it's an emotional yeah. piece of music. Like yeah. if that's what we're thinking about. Well then, yeah, I'll listen to the temp. Yeah. But if, if I think for a moment that the, the filmmaker is getting too attached, I might just not listen to the temp. I might just, mute the temp track altogether and then re try to rethink, rethink it. And I've gotten into some trouble doing that because then somebody says, weren't you listening to the temp track? <laughs> um, I go, well, no, I, I wasn't because I figured we could go in this other direction. And then sometimes I'm. Yeah. It's, I, I, I've heard, it's, kind of the, it's the equivalent of like giving an actor a line reading. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the equivalent yeah. to telling the person how to say the line. Right. Mm, That's yeah. right. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting, but at the same time, you know, I kind of feel like writers, they don't deal with temp tracks, but they can deal with people micromanaging them in a, in a way that can be very similar to a temp track. Like an executive has a very specific idea how this story needs to be told and they don't write, you know, I need to um, be careful about what I say at this point right. in terms of, you know, but, uh. <laughs> Let's just say I agree with you, Jeff. You know, it happens <laughs> from time to time. From time to um, time. Yeah. Not yeah. always. Sometimes. Not always. Yeah. 
people Let's say, trust. So sometimes you get people who trust you. Yeah. I also, I would say a specific idea is maybe not quite as annoying as a really vague one. Oh, yeah. that, that too. <laughs> yeah. That too. Like, can you make this a little more green? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know, like mm -hmm. green, like it makes me gr green. Yeah. People <laughs> are hearing say, colors. It, yeah. And if the they say the same word three times, but louder each time, they think that that, yeah. that, yeah. that does it. And uh, it, yeah. does, and it no, breaks that's, through. That's why synesthetes should not be allowed to run shows. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I feel like we had, I, I'm trying to remember, did we, do we spot music with temp? Um, we did. Um, okay. We did. You came to the studio and we spotted it with temp. But a lot of times, you know, once we got into the middle of the season, um, a lot of times the temp was the music that I had been writing for episodes one, two. Three. Right. That's like, true. Good point. Yeah. Using it, which was very helpful to me because then at least the thematic material was there. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. OK, we need Nimue's theme here. And right. you know what I mean? We need Arthur here. Um, and it. it so that started to make more sense once we got farther and farther. I remember spotting that first episode going, oh, okay, I, I kind of need to rethink what we're, what we're doing here because this is all music that doesn't really relate to what we're, I think, originally thinking. And that didn't, right. you know, that once you heard what I was thinking, um, you know, yes, there was, there was stuff to, to uh, address, but the direction was the right, was, you know, we were in the same ballpark direction wise. And that's the thing that you always look for. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, um, it's also interesting. You're, you're very good at just saying like, no, no music here. Like, no, let's not do music here, you know, which is also unique. Like you don't just want this, uh, which is always the note you get because, right. Because it's like music at the end. That's, that's, that's a note that's so kind of easy to give when everything's shot and every, like, they can't, you know, like, what can we, and it ends up being like more, more, more when sometimes more is not the answer. Sometimes it's like, let's, let's, let's appreciate it when it's there. Right. Let's use it for that, for the. Well, yeah. I mean, music is only as important as the silence that precedes it. So yeah. if there's no silence, then it's just white noise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, I that's... have, I have that argument. I have that argument a lot, you know, because most people are like, well, you're a composer. Don't you want to continue write music? And I'm like, well, we're both trying to tell a story here. I'm not, yeah. I'm not writing my magnum opus. That's not the point of what I'm doing here. Right. Like, so, you know, silence. Unless you're paid by the note, are you? Yeah. If I were only <laughs> paid by the note, if I were paid by the note. Oh. I'd be living on an island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Somewhere>. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. If you were paid by the letter, yeah, I know. But Philip, but Philip Glass would be broke. Um, uh, Philip, yeah, he might, he might be. He's got like one note. Uh, so tell us. So we got. I mean, I look. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a decent Trekkie. Dave's a big Trekkie. Oh, were you a big Star Trek guy? Well, so. Yes, I didn't start as a as an original series Star Trek person because it wasn't my generation. Like I didn't even start to really watch it until I was already a late teenager. Um, and by the time I was a late teenager, Next Generation was coming on the air. Um, and once that happened, I became a huge Star Trek Next Generation fan. And it's from there, I went back and became a huge original series fan. Um, I went forward after that. I I never really got past 
um, Next Generation. I did get a little bit into um, Voyager. I didn't really get into Deep Space Nine. Um, and then, of course, Enterprise, I, I never watched. Um, and then I was hired to do the next the next versions yeah. of Star Trek. And, you know, more importantly, I was a huge fan of the movie franchise, even sort of more than the than the original show, which was slightly more campy than they did. They, they kept the, the, com the comedy, but it wasn't as, as campy as the um, as the original series. Um, but musically, it was always very, very engaging to me, which is why also I was so interested in wanting to do Picard was because of where I began my yeah. sort of Star Trek sojourn. How do you take on a P I mean, that's a, I mean, they're, you're dealing with like a legendary theme. Like wh how, what, what is your approach to that? Is like, I'm going to do a like, is it, Ooh, like all the, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for you. Tell me what it's like to tackle a legendary theme. I, you know, it was, it, it was daunting to say the least, you know, I was standing, trying to stand up straight next to Jerry Goldsmith and James Horner and, and all these um, incredible composers is, is not, it's not an easy, um, not an easy task and scary for someone who, I mean, I was in a rock band, played guitar. I never took lessons. I don't really know much of that other than what I've read in books and sort of taught myself. So it was really, it was daunting. But really looking to that for inspiration was was definitely helpful um, in terms of trying to figure out what the tone was and, and trying to figure out how to fashion a melody that would be sort of Star Trekian. Yeah, I mean, Picard's beautiful. I mean, that music mm -hmm. is beautiful. Yeah, it's and, fantastic. It's, and it has this. And yeah, it's just it's these these sort of touches where it's like, I know where I am. Yeah. You know, I know I, I I know what kind of world I'm in, but this is it's it's really its own thing, which is a good, a great testament to that's what you want, you know, and want it to be yeah. its own thing. And that, that but, blend, but, that blend of tipping your hat to the original, you know, that composers. and that's and that was very that was a very important thing. And and one of the things that made it a little easier on me was I knew that if at any point I wanted to grab the viewer by the neck and just pull them in. I could just play three notes, right? You know, yeah. bah, 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 and just grab them and pull them in and you're there. So it, it did make it easier figuring out how to sort of weave that all together. You know, that's the thing about composition. It's like trying to figure out how to take this thing, put it here and make it work with this. And, um, how many times did the how many times did the studio say, "Can you just you think like this might be a good moment for?" Yeah, uh, like did they did, or they did never they? Had to, they never had to tell me. They <laughs> never they never had to tell me a single time, because by the time it came to me, um, Kurtzman, Alex Kurtzman, who's the sort of architect of the whole thing, and we we were both very much on the same page. We'd be sitting there, I'm like, "Oh, you know, maybe we could do that," and he would be saying exactly the same thing as I was. So, and then maybe it was the Voyager theme or um, maybe we do, um, you know, some other sort of nod yeah. to the past. Um, one of the things that I really, that I really felt very close to was the main theme I wrote for Picard. Um, I dug very, very deep into one of the, um, one of the next generation episodes mm -hmm. um, where the next generation episode was called the inner light. And it's where um, it's where, Jean-Luc Picard goes in, into like a, a a sort of 
trance is and is transferred to this other world and he lives the entire life of this oh, i remember that that's from, a great from episode an, from an old 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 um civilization and he learns to play the flute so i wanted to put the flute in the theme to really tip my hat to that particular episode and then off screen you hear his son playing a little melody and i was like oh what if i just use a couple of those notes i wonder if anybody will catch that and the theme came out and it was like a thousand emails came oh. in we're like oh my god you took that one little thing for them what i mean literally you hear it for like four seconds off screen. wow and That's and cool and the card says oh he's talking about his son and he's learning to play the flute as well it's really it was very fun like little things like that were sort of treasures for me yeah, it's called yeah. stick in the landing mm -hmm. and <laughs> nice and and you, you can never underestimate the obsessiveness of Star Trek fans, That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, as 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 an obsessive. Yes. I, I, well, th there's a little saying, too, that nobody hates Star Trek as much as a Star Trek fan, because if you do something, it always has to be held up against what they expect it to be, which is either Next Generation or the original series or Wrath of Khan, which is arguably the best of the, all the movies, you know, like all of these things. And, you know, there's a funny there's a funny story, actually, because um, uh, the Wrath of Khan was the follow up to the original motion picture. The original motion picture was scored by Jerry Goldsmith. The Wrath of Khan was scored by James Horner and um, Goldsmith was always yelling and screaming about how James Horner sort of ripped him off for the thing. And it's like, well, did he rip him off or was he just sort of nodding his, you know, tipping his hat to the original person? And then the same thing, I, I'm, I'm working with Noah on his next project and his next project is Alien, the, the show Alien. Um, and... It, the same thing happened in Alien, where the original Alien was scored by Jerry Goldsmith and Aliens, which was the second one, was scored by jo James Horner. And they had the same exact fight where Goldsmith was saying, Horner's just fucking taking, just ripping me off. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I, like, what do I you hope, want me to do? I, I hope that when they were fighting, the battle theme from the original Star Trek show played. <laughs> That's right. Hey, look, I might be That's in a... I might be in a minority, but I think aliens kicks aliens, but this from, I'm just saying, Wait, I think alien these are, kicks I aliens, think, butt, or vice no, versa. I think vice versa. I think vice versa. Well, if, if you, if you really dig deep, I think what you'll find is alien is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And aliens is one of the greatest action movies of all time because they're very different movies. I think that's and, fair. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. 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 Alien is a haunted house movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 So with jump scares and everything, like the whole mm. thing. And it's just the iconic jump scares for sure. Iconic yeah. jump scares, not like crazy jump scares like they do today. I mean, Charlie's watching stuff. I'm like, I can't, I can't even look at the television oh, when he's God. watching no. things. We had Amelia go through during COVID. She had to watch every horror movie that existed, probably just to make the real world seem less horrifying. <laughs> and then, and we were like, wow, she really loves horror movies because I can barely watch. Like I'm watching Hereditary, like tearing my eyes out, you know, like anxious for days. I'm like, wow. And but she, we kind of realized that, oh, she falls asleep like 10 minutes into these horror movies and is then just sleeping on the couch. And I'm stuck with like my eyes, oh, like watching these, these terrible, terrifying movies. And she's just narcotically putting herself to sleep, you know, from, from shock of these horror movies. But um, yeah, it's, uh, 
but okay alien i'll accept the alien aliens uh premise that you propose uh if you will um dave did you have any leonard nimoy you needed to anything you wanted to ask jeff on the as far as that goes Oh, well, not really. Well, I was just going to say that I <laughs> told me a little I, story before before we went on. That my Star I I my Star my career has now been bracketed uh, with Star Trek, uh, assuming that my career is over, which I I always do. Um, Don't we all? Yeah. That uh, with you in in 1985, I was directed by Leonard Nimoy, oh. which I believe is the correct pronunciation. I, I Nimoy so. Nimoy like like to uh, me. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I was. I had one line in the movie Three Men and a Baby. Oh, uh, in a scene with Tom Selleck. Uh, so I had the great pleasure of uh, having Leonard Nimoy uh, direct me and say directly to my face, "Faster, David." <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. come yeah. on. So, uh, and I, you know, and I've this, and which is essentially the same direction I've gotten for the rest of my career. Faster, uh, <laughs> faster David. Don't. <laughs> Uh, don't, don't milk everything. <laughs> um, but then, and now I've just recently been on, uh, I was, uh, a Ferengi in, uh, a lower decks oh. this week that came out this week. Nice. Yeah. So now this I, is, this is my Star Trek moment. Just yeah. being with you guys. And I got a nice message and got a nice message from LaVar on, on, uh, on Twitter or X, nice. I'm sorry, X. Welcome me to welcoming me to the family. By the way, I refuse to update my Twitter app because once you update the Twitter app, it changes from the big T to the X, and I'm like, I won't, I won't do it. Oh, I wish I thought of that. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Yeah. It's weirdness yeah. out there. So you guys are both now just Star Trek canon. You're you're baked into the cake. You're there. Uh, I'll, I'll figure out some yeah. way I'm going to try to been, weasel been, my way in somehow someday. I've been hanging out with the, uh, the next generation crew, uh, tons on the, on, uh, fan fests and, you know, galaxy cons and things lately. They're all lovely, lovely, wonderful people. I I've been, I've been to those, I've been to those and I've now just been invited for next summer, some oh. thing to play music in Vegas. I was like, Vegas. Okay. Oh, the big, maybe the big Trek convention in Vegas, the big Trek convention in but, Vegas. Uh, Rod Rod uh, Roddenberry puts is part of that, I think, right? I think so. I, yeah. I think that it's all sort of who is very good friends with my friend uh, Jeremy Corbell, uh, the UFO, uh, my UFO buddy. Yeah, there you so, go. Jeremy's the man. Synchronicities, synchronicities. It's happening. I, I blame the aliens. Yeah, um, there, are, there are no aliens. There are UFOs. There's, yeah, there are, well, they yeah. just—they're not. We just don't yeah. know. They just don't identify themselves. Yeah, no one's. No one's. They're not, no one's involved with them. They're just no. things, just things, things in the sky, flying, flying yeah. things. Yeah. No, no one should worry. Everyone look the other way. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> nothing I, to see here where this is our Halloween episode. And I'll say, and I reached out because we love you, Jeff, and your music is fantastic. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, 
fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you happen to have a bitch-ass ghost story that uh, I heard at a Halloween party at my house when we were trying our best to terrify the kids and we were throwing our best stuff out there. Um, you have and a really great one though, too. Here's I, we, we've I, sh- yeah. I shared, I shared on the, I think episode one got the ghost stories going okay. with, mm-hmm. um, I have a, I have a pretty cool one. Not as cool as the one you've got, but I was also like, I, I was like, Jeff didn't strike me as like a ghost guy. And th- I think that's kind of the, one of the cool parts of the story which, uh, so, you know, like, set the stage for us, man. Like, well, let's... Let, let's start, let's start by saying that I'm not like a supernatural believer, dude. Not. With that said, mm-hmm. I've had, a, the experience that I had was as lucid and real as could, it could be. Like, lucid and real. I was not terribly drunk. I I was, you know, it was it was late at night, but I wasn't like half asleep. I wasn't dreaming. It wasn't like out of bed. I'm I'm just setting the stage. So that's we love that. Set the stage, baby. Well, the idea is that the people who are listening to this should know, like, I'm not like ooh believer in the otherworldly stuff. Like, this is something that actually (laughs) happened to me and my me and my my buddy Emerson. So another way to set the stage is so Emerson is the singer in my band Tonic and we were um making an album or we were making our second album in um in New Orleans. Um and I mean it just so happens that in New Orleans there are no graves as I'm sure you all know because right because it floods right right yeah. so you can't have anything all, below all right so it's all crypts it's all above it's all above ground we were making um we were making our record in a in a converted old mansion so his mansion was down in in the um in the french quarter um and the i think so initially the the building was built by a man who had two daughters and it was this big mansion and the two daughters apparently um, fought over the ownership of the, of the, of the mansion after, after their father passed. That's sort of the backstory. Um, I mean, this is obviously 18, I think that that all happened like 1880, 1870, somewhere around then. I'm curious. Um, can I just ask, were you by any chance being managed by Vincent Price at this point in your career? I was not. I was, I was not. But had I have had a great heard, place for you to record. Yeah. I, I you should go down. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. Although <laughs> me neither. Okay, let's get James, let's call James Adomian. He does a good Vincent. He Price. doesn't um so so we're we're making this record in this um in this mansion and you know, we have a bunch of late nights. It's a rock record. We're starting at like three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon. We're going until like three in the morning. And, you know, it's me and Emerson, our bass player, Dan, producer, engineers, like 
it's all, we're just up making music. And yes, we're drinking beers, we're beating po'boys, we're having a, you know, smoking a lot of cigarettes and, but nothing completely crazy. But one night it was, I, I don't know, we were like maybe two thirds of the way into the record and we had been going, you know, having normal nights. You know, everybody talks about how New Orleans is, there's a lot of ghosts and a lot of, you know, undead roaming the streets. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not one of those people who really puts much stock into that. So every night we would just go to bed and there was no like, you know, no like, ooh, scary. Um, but this on this one particular night, we were making this, we were, we were doing overdubs, vocal overdubs, and um, we, we kind of, you know, we kind of got tired early. So we were like, let's, you know, let's just call it. And we, we turned everything off. And all of a sudden we started hearing some things that we had never heard before. Little, you know, somebody banging into a guitar. Um, I say someone, something banging into a guitar, you know, like there's that sound where some, something bangs a guitar and it sort of vibrates all the strings and you hear it all. Um, mm. we're like, what was that? Did you hear that? And, we were like, yeah, what was that? Like, oh, the wind or a cat or whatever it was. Can I can I ask, did anybody set this house up for you at all? In other words, like, were you told, I mean, you knew about these daughters had fought for the house. Did you, had anyone I, set anything up for you or no? No. So here's the thing. Like, I didn't know about the backstory of the house until later. Okay. Um, I, I'm setting it up. Right, you go. Sort of backwards, but we found out about the actual mansion and its backstory sort of after we were done making the record there nice. um, because nice. we were asking a lot of questions after this, after what just happened, okay. after what I'm about to tell you. So we heard a little bit of noise, like then windows sort of open where we knew we had closed the windows and Emerson and I, um, you know, Emerson was definitely like a guy who believes in ghosts and believes in, undead and like coming back and haunting and all that stuff. So we always used to have these conversations, you know, um, he at the time was a civil war buff and used to talk about like civil war ghosts and all kinds of stuff. Um, so he was like, well, maybe it was a ghost. And I was like, no, it's not a ghost. The wind or something is knocking into it. So you have to sort of, um, set the stage for what this place looks like. It's one of those very traditional, um, very traditional mansions. I, I, it, it's Southern mansions in, in New Orleans where there's a very big entrance, like upstairs, you open right. the doors and you're in a big entry fo foyer. And then right in front of that foyer is a grand staircase that goes straight up and then it splits to a balcony that comes around. And then there are, you know, all of the um, bedrooms and stuff on the second floor are around that balcony, like on this side, on that side. And then there's another, you go around and there's another staircase that goes, that keeps going up. Oh, wow. The kitchen and the um, living rooms and stuff are on the first floor. If you, if you walk around the, um, if you walk around the staircase and then you go around back, that's where the living room is, the parlor and all that other stuff. So we were making the record down on the first floor behind the staircase in the parlor in the living room in the dining room um that's where we set up all the all the you know instruments and stuff so we were like okay so let's you know that's it we're done for the night 
we walked out of the studio and as we were walking out of the studio and coming down the, there's a hallway between like other rooms and the staircase we heard a big you know crash bang and then we kind of got like a little like oh fuck what was what was that what what the fuck was that like that sounded like bad as we came around to the bottom of the staircase because we were all going to go up to our rooms as we came around to the bottom of the staircase we all looked up and were stopped dead in our tracks at the top of the staircase was an actual apparition of a female all white i mean what you think this thing looks like is what it looked like it was flowing bright glowing white gown with long white hair like sort of floating around and um a a youngish face smiling but but smiling not like the evil yeah, smile yeah. just like a smile like but f literally floating there and we were frozen <laughs> frozen at the bottom of the stairs literally frozen I looked at Emerson and he looked back at me and we were like, do you see that? And we looked up and it was still there. And then we looked back at each other and said, I see it. Do you see it? Dan, do you, do you see, are you, is everybody seeing what we're seeing? And then we looked up and then it sort of floated away and disappeared. Um, and <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not okay. like a, I'm not a big, no, I know. Yeah. I'm not a big believer in the, in the afterlife, you know, ghosts and haunting, but fuck. I, it was like, that was what I saw. And I cannot explain it other than to say, oh, that was a ghost. That was someone that was not on this plane, on our sort of plane of existence, because when it left, it sort of I want to say it turned and walked away, but it didn't even do that. It sort of just floated and disappeared into nothing. And it was, we were, I, I don't even know how to explain exactly how we were feeling or what we did in that moment, because then it was gone. And then we were all just standing there like, what, what was that? And then wow. we, then we went back to the kitchen and, and opened opened a, bo a bottle of of, of um, brandy or something tequila. I don't remember what it was we got. And then we started. I find it, I find it reasonable that you I, you stayed yeah. in the house. Well, yeah. I mean, we had nowhere else to go. We didn't have a place to stay. There was a bar down the street called Porta Call. We were like, should we go get a drink? And we were like, no, let's just open the bottle in the kitchen. <laughs> and we did. Now here's the thing. That was it. That's yeah. Never That's, to be seen again. The rest of the recordings. Nope. Went. And we were there for like another three weeks. Wow. And we were all like freaked out for the next three weeks. But so the story was, as I, as I started. Before you get to the story, I got to ask you about this actual like moment mm -hmm. because it was preceded by a, like some sort of terrible crash. Yes. Correct? That, that's right. Was that, was that upstairs was it nearby was it in the basement where and what did you what did you possibly associate with the sound was it like 
a body? Was it a sound? Like, what was that sound like? It, it, it sounded like, I mean, it sounded like somebody knocked something over and it hit the ground. Where it came from, none of us could pinpoint. Because like, I thought it came from upstairs. Emerson was like, didn't it just come from out front? And, mm. you know, everybody was like, it came from a different place. So who knows where in the, um, where in the place it could have come from. Um, and we, we didn't, we just didn't know. But and about how soon after that did you see, like, what was the, how, seconds oh, minutes no 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 i would say we heard it and then we were sort of milling about like what the hell was that and we were putting stuff away getting ready to sort of be done for the night so it could have been like i don't know eight minutes mm -hmm. between the, that moment and when we walked out and around to the and stood at the bottom of the stairs and saw the apparition at the top of the stairs literally just at the very top of the stairs so crazy. Did they, did, did you at, at, I mean, when you first, was it like, oh, like someone else is here? Well, at, at first we looked up and we didn't know what we were looking at. You know, you, you look up and you see something that you literally have never seen before, but is relatively familiar because it looks like it's, it was human shaped. Right. But the, the thing is, it was like, as I looked at it, now that I think about it, it, it looks exactly as you think a ghost would look like. It was the weird that Ghostbusters, the weird man. Yeah, no, that's, that's fucking the weird crazy. Part. Like it just looked like um it looked like an apparition. That's what it looked yeah. like. You could kind of see through it, but you couldn't. And it was milky white and it was like floating. Which yeah. Was there any? I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I know because I'm I am I am life a lifelong atheist. So I've always been very comfortable with the idea that we we don't have souls. Me too. When we're dead, we're done. Um, but then I've also but then I've also I had you know all believe that there's something to ghost phenomena because it's been persistent throughout human history. So I've always felt like I all right. There's something to ghosts. There's some, there's, and I'm sure there's someday we'll have an explanation for what they are. And that, but I've always felt like, well, I think ghosts probably are real <laughs> because what, you know, why else would they be in, in the literature of pretty much every culture on earth? I mean, and I, I would say the same for aliens. Yep. Right? True. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've, I've always been somewhat of an atheist, always been of someone of a, a somewhat of a, I'm not sure I believe anything that all these people are saying about stuff like religion and all that stuff. But there is something to be said about the fact that if life is energy and physics says that energy can't be created or destroyed, it can only change form. It would make sense. Like maybe soul is energy and energy can be seen in a way that I, we saw it because that's the thing. I saw something. Mm -hmm. I know I saw something. And yeah, I, I don't really talk about it all that much. I don't really think it's like, ooh, I saw a ghost. But like, it's a thing. I experienced seeing a thing that I perceive to be yeah. a ghost. And, and like... I 19th century clothes like i mean not we're not all uh you know fashion experts of the i would say know. it was hard to say but like like i said it, it seemed like long white gowny dressy type thing so you i i would say i don't remember 
focused details about like what the dress looked like, but it looked like flowy. Anything on her head? Mm-hmm. Um, no, long hair, just long hair. Like I, I remember seeing long, but it was all white. Like I said, it was all white. Ghosts, ghosts are very proud of their hair. Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently so. Very, very. They take meticulously, take really good care of it. Um, all right, yeah, man. Yeah. What's well, this, the backstory? That I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Oh no, I was just gonna say the sm- the smiling got because when I was a kid and living in this, uh, like we're living in a brand new bungalow in Nova Scotia for a year, uh, I saw, I did see a ghost in that house. Um, when I was, I guess I was like seven years old. It was 1970, 71, I think. But it was this, but but I had, there was a girl appeared at my bedroom door who I thought might be my sister. She was sort of backlit from the hallway light at night. And uh, and it was the same thing. I thought, you know, Karen, is that you? And then she drifted across the room to the foot of my bed. And it's the same thing, smiled quite nicely. She had braids and was wearing a like puffed shouldered with a bib front and very pioneery, which is how every girl in 1970s was dressing. Um, a little and, house. And then she, yeah. And then she smiled. She it was that same thing, a very sort of nice smile. And then she faded out, just sort of disappeared. So right. What time of day was yeah. that? That you know yeah. the interesting it was in the evening, nighttime probably. Well, it was dark, so it was uh, you know. So so think, think about this. Like you and I have now described both very different experiences with very similar accuracy, right? Like so, you describe the thing just sort of turned disappearing, not really, which is how I remember the same thing happening. So yeah, how could how could that not be something, right? Like, yes. And it's, and it's, and again, it's in, it's like, how, like I was saying, how many, how many damn ghosts are there in Shakespeare? I right. mean, you know, True. and how many, like throughout, you know, throughout uh, the, you know, written history of humanity, there's ghosts all the way through it, from every corner of the world. And so I think it's, uh, it's, un, it's unlikely that, that it's all just made up and that there's nothing to spur these stories and there's nothing behind it. I and, agree. You know, and I think maybe, you know, and I think maybe we don't have souls, but maybe there, but maybe there is a, but maybe there is, maybe there is some consciousness that continues. Maybe there is a persistence of consciousness that, that, that can go on outside of our bodies once we're done, you know? I I mean, I've seen it, so I don't know, maybe. Yeah. And, and yeah, and there's definitely a lot of overlap between the, 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 the realms of UFOs and, and uh, hauntings and ghosts. and Well, certainly there's been so much talk of alien and there's in, in for a long, long time. So it seems sort of reasonable to believe that people have seen yeah. aliens. Yeah. Or UFOs. Yeah. This world's getting weird. Let's be honest. It's yeah. all starting to get weird. I need to know this back. What happened? This, what, this mansion. Yeah, what happened so- with this fucking mansion? So what ended up happening was the, so it's very interesting. The, the two sisters fought about the mansion and in the end, the only way they could figure it out was to split the mansion up the middle. And there was a line up the middle of the staircase that split the house left and right. And one daughter stayed on one side, the other daughter stayed on the other. Now, up until like whoever owned the mansion after they were all gone, there was a banister 
that that went up the center of the staircase, this grand staircase that actually split left, right. And it would go all, it went all the way to the doors. The doors were actually split. There was a left door and a right door and you could open one or the other and they would close. Um, the, the owners after they were gone sort of took that all away. Um, apparently one daughter killed the other one. So, and then the other daughter lived in the whole house, but only ever went on her side. They sound mm-hmm. great. They sound like really, really great people. That's the story that I heard from, yeah. the, from the owners of the, from the owners of the mansion. Um, did they know how she died? How did they, she killed her? Yeah, I, it was unclear. It was unclear, but that was the story was she killed her so she could own, so she could have the whole mansion. I find it interesting that it that the attachment to that house is such a part of that story. Like that house seemed to get loaded with energy and arguing and who knows, you know, like just felt like that space got sticky, right? With just sure. with energy and death and wanting and anger and envy, um, which maybe maybe is why some of these things sort of you know, drift around still or just get stuck, you know, it, uh, that's, that's crazy town. Yep. Crazy. town. Well done. Good mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Good for yeah. you for seeing a full bodied yeah. apparition. You, you know what you've done? You have made me watching 20 years of ghost hunters worth it. Uh, watching people sit in, wander in the dark and, and go, did you hear that? Did you, did you hear that? Did you hear that? that has now i'm like fucking jeff saw a full body office so someday someday these guys will maybe they'll just like holy shit yeah i've been Mm -hmm. waiting for that forever watching these guys um and i didn't know about your little house on the prairie ghost dave this was that you pulled that out of your bonnet where'd that fucking come from well, your your haunting was so much better than mine. I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> that haunting, we had a, we're having a haunting competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's and then, pretty you know, good. And I got the UFO thing. I saw a UFO, so that's, that's yeah, that's true. That's You've my got, turf. You do have that. You do have that on me. Yeah. Um. That's uh. That's a cool one, man. And so, okay. The, and and no nightmares. Been, ever seen. No. Yeah. You know. You've never been touched by anything else paranormal since then. Are you talking to me? Yeah. No, never, nothing paranormal yeah. since then. That was my one and only experience, which again also so sort of makes me believe it even more, right? Like, because that that has stuck, it really has stuck with me. Yeah. Has it's anyone good, tried to explain it to you? And like, I'm giving you a rational, like, well, you know what you probably saw. <laughs> it's funny that you should say that. I don't really talk about it that much. Yeah. So- the answer to your question is no, because I've never really told it to someone that would be like, well, you know, like yeah. you probably saw the light reflecting off of the blah, 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 blah. you know, because yeah, I'd be well, like, no, dude, you weren't there. Yeah. But it, why is, but then again, it's kind of weird that you don't talk about it. I mean, I mean, I, I know why, because <laughs> you know, but I'm saying it's a weird thing uh, culturally that, uh, that, that, because it's the sort of thing uh, you think uh, if there's no stigma that you'd, you know, you'd want to tell everybody. But I think that maybe there is a bit of a stigma, right? Like there is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've told my close friends, I've told this one podcast that I know of called really, 
Um, and mm-hmm. it's out now. It's, yeah. now it's, it's out. out right. The story's out now. Well, and I've talked yeah. about it a number of on a number of occasions with the singer in my band and the bass player in my band because we were the ones who who, right. who saw it. Um, so, you know, yeah, I I I kind of like that. It's just mine. You know, mm. it's just one of the like it because it follows no rules because it's so unpredictable because just like aliens, just like trying, you want to see something, you don't see something, you try hard to see something, you can't see something, you try to like make something, you know, go to a scary place. I want to see. And it's just it, you know, it's it's so doing its own thing that we that you you kind of have to put it in a sort of brain pocket and move on. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I guess you could become a ghost hunter. Um, you know, I would support you as a friend. I mean, I'd be, I'd be into that. I'd want to go, but I don't, that didn't, I think the fact that you are, you is what makes the story so compelling. Cause it's just, I didn't, I was like, what? I, I just remember hearing the story and go, God damn, that's gee, Wow. Jet like right. Jeff. Cause you are not someone who, you know, which is why we want you on the pot. Like, right. I think it's people mm-hmm. we trust people. We, you know, know, or right. like, this is not, you know, you're not going to like, Oh, let me, let me concoct some insane. It's just not that, that I, something yeah. happened to you. We don't know what it is. Yeah. We don't know what it, but, um, and it hasn't made you reevaluate like your whole existence. No, or, or, no, or the it, nature of 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 uh, of human life. It it has not. I I've sort of and I was by the way it was nineteen when was it nineteen ninety we were there in nineteen ninety eight so like early it was like maybe February nineteen ninety eight March maybe later I don't remember sometime around nineteen like spring early summer of nineteen ninety eight. Um, so I was young. I was 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And it's before reality rebooted in, in, uh, at the millennium. Oh, right. Where, yeah. when, with Y2K and everything yeah. shut down and the matrix turned off and then they turned it back on. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can only, I can only guess, happened? I can only guess what the original me was like before 2000. Oh, that explains a lot. Yeah. That explains a lot. Did you, did you have any like emotional, experience seeing it in that you um like dave talked about when he when he and jeremy saw this object in the sky that there was a a kind of lack of emotion i mean did you did you feel anything coming from it uh no okay no you you it it it, again it just felt like it was just there yeah it wasn't threatening or anything no 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 didn't didn't look threatening feel threatening it it literally looked like well, what it actually looked like is if you were looking through a window and the person that you were looking at did not know you were seeing them. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it could have been that like whatever we were seeing did not know we were seeing it. If mm-hmm. if that thing could know, like if it had yeah. the ability to know anything, like it didn't feel like it was even aware that we were there. You know what? You've just perfectly described what it was like working with J-Lo. But <laughs> she didn't know you were there. No, I didn't. No, she could <laughs> right, look right through me. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, that's well, funny. That's not surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is what it is, you know. Um, all right. Well, I'm obligated to tell a ghost story. Um, to, to wrap up uh, our Halloween episode because uh, – this was my my mom for some reason liked to terrify my brother and I with, you know, her she seemed to keep running into people who had sort of like crazy ghost experiences. So 
sort of in her in in honor of her memory, I'll tell the I'll tell this for that because this is the one that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Sort of prior and during the the ones we had at the schoolhouse, which are the ones I sort of experienced. So take this with the grain of salt it is, but it was um, we had like a two miles three miles from where we grew up in, in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, which was very farm, very woodsy, very, uh, cornfields. And it's a town that, that clearly Ray Bradbury made up. Yeah. It's like cults and, you know, children of the corn type of thing. So there was a house that we knew about that was supposedly investigated by parapsychologists. And, and it was funny you talked about the divided house. Cause this was like, there was a new section and an old section. And I'm trying to figure out, how my mom knew this person. She had these, she, at one point, my mom was a, a singing waitress at a, like a club nearby in Pennsylvania. She had, she had met this woman who I guess had gotten this house from her family. So she was a young woman living in this house that was, that half of it was haunted. The old section of this house was haunted. And um, she had told my mom these stories <laughs> For instance, you know, when she played Jesus Christ Superstar, the pipes would bang in the basement. Um, that when that 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 when anyone stayed in the old wing, she had family that um, one uh, one morning uh, she woke up with the sheet pulled over her head, something holding the sheet over her head. Uh, the there was a um, a sound apparently that when there was something in the room would go and was one of the reasons I was kind of asking you about sound jet was like, was like a, like a sort of like vibrating kind of sound that uh, it's interesting that sometimes accompanies abductions too. some of the abduction stories we've heard, like there's this sort of suboral sort of hum. Did you hear that? Did you hear anything like that? Jeff and your thing? I heard there was no sound at all. I mean, the sound of the house and stuff, but no sound emanating from anywhere in particular. The um, so this apparently this woman started to write. Um, she had she had been warned. I don't know through seances not to talk about this ghost or whatever it was. No, no explanation for what it was. Um, she had started to write a book about it and developed apparently like a brain tumor that what did she she be believed and was sort of told through seances was that this was the ghost's punishment for right. Like this was not a, this was a fairly hostile energy. Um, and I remember my mom actually had my older brother. Uh, she had to pick something up at this house with this woman. So my older brother was in this house at like maybe nine years old and had run to play in a game room and was playing a pinball machine. And this woman was telling my mother about the, 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 the sounds and Jesus Christ superstar and the pipes and this, that, and the sheet. And my mom's like, Jesus Christ. And um, my brother comes back and he was saying like, mommy, like uh, there's, there's a sound in the pit, you know, in the playroom. And it's a, and he started to describe the humming sound. She's like, Oh God, let's get, you know, like, nice to see you. We're going to go. So she took off. And, but the story of that place that, you know, left me sort of freaked out was that there was a bus stop at the end of the driveway. It was a big, you know, big gravel drive and there's sort of big, two big connected houses. And uh, the little girls, um, there's, there were two kids at the end of the driveway that would get their bus there. And one uh, morning they hear a dog barking. Um, they turn and go and the front door of the old part of the house was open. And they looked in the uh, house and saw 
a dog uh, 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 barking at something on the upstairs. I guess it was a sort of sim- kind of setup of barking at something upstairs and they heard a, a scratching above them and they looked up and there was a bloody face staring down at them from the top window of this, of the old wing of the house. And that kept, that kept me, my young four or five year old self going for a while. But, um, there you go. No, I, I didn't see the bloody face. It's just in my brain forever. Um, with mm-hmm. your apparition and with Dave's little house on the prairie, uh, sister doppelganger Mm -hmm. and it's interesting my um amelia and i just bring this up because we were just talking about it last night six seven months ago she and this is totally separate i don't even know what to make of this but she um came home super freaked out had been hanging out with friends and kind of came through the door uh with her other friend like super super freaked out and was like we saw we saw someone we saw someone at they saw me at the in front of our gate at and it was this was probably like twelve thirty at night. Um, she's like it was you like standing by the the mailbox or whatever like it was a it was a description I don't know I was thinking of like I was trying to figure out what it was I was not outside I was inside and this had happened maybe two minutes before she got home they were pulling up to our house and they saw me standing outside of the house um and and then and she saw it and her friend saw it she saw it and her friend saw it and they turned and that was and was gone they believed it was me i was and i don't know i was in my jammies or my pajamas and a t-shirt or something and uh but i wasn't it wasn't me but i i was reminded of the um what was it the stephen king story the outsider the doppelgangers or something i was like what the fuck was that like did she i mean maybe they anyway i thought that was kind of creepy i was like what's that all about I can't blame the podcast because we hadn't been doing it yet, but I do think there's, um, we've talked a lot about the hitchhiker effects. You kind of, you pick up weird shit when you start, you know, kind of overly dealing with this stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like we were, t- uh, Tom, uh, when we did the, uh, the good trouble podcast, Tom Ford said that, you know, when, you, once you, once you engage in these weird things, sometimes it, it just pops into your life. Weird things start happening. So maybe, maybe now that you've been on the podcast, you'll you'll get some more hauntings. You're welcome, Jeff. <laughs> You're welcome, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nina's gonna be very dis- disappointed. <laughs> She'll be very pissed off. Um, this is uh, anyway. This is our this is our Halloween episode. This is was this was was yeah. good fun. Um, I uh, we're really really grateful you came on to uh, chat some scary shit and some cool music stuff and everything. We would love to uh, have you back at some point. You got to, you know, you don't even have to see crazy shit. We can just keep talking. I, I mean, I got nothing else. That's it. Well, you know, <laughs> not yet. Could be a hitchhiker. You know, stay alert. Stay and, alert, yeah. Jeff. And I've and I've I've seen I've seen the uh, first three episodes of Fargo. There you and, go. And uh, so far, I, so far, I love what you've done. Uh, and I, and I loved what you've done. Well, thank you. I was going to say, and I can tolerate what I've done. <laughs> so I'm I can't really wait. Excited to see the rest of the the season. Just yeah, check out Fargo. What else we got? We got Picard. You got everything. You got how many Star Trek? How many Star Trek shows have you done? Well, I I did. Um, I just finished the last episode of the last season of Star Trek Discovery. So we did five five seasons of that. Wow. I did two seasons of Star Trek Picard. I actually didn't 
work on the third season of Star Trek Picard because I was working on Kurtzman's other project, The Man Who Fell to Earth, and I, I just I couldn't. Oh, you did Man Who Fell to Earth. I was yeah. watching that. Yeah. Um, I did. I did that, which was one of my one of my favorite things to do. It was so such a good such a good telling of that story. And, oh, and yeah, and out. I'm excited to see Alien, uh, even though I'm I'm I oh god, I wanted to be on that. That would have been so cool. A, I mean. They haven't shot it yet. You still have a chance. Call oh, them. I they, oh, I thought they had already shot it all. No, no, they stopped. Like the, there was the strike, and then oh, they, they stopped. stopped. They stopped everything because the strike. Yeah, I, well, I know David Ristall from uh, from uh, the season of Fargo. He he had a part in there. I know he was heading down to Indonesia for that. Yep. So I yeah. I, I thought maybe they skirted the strike by being in Indonesia. They they thought I think that they thought they were going to um but the you know there was a mix of equity actors from London and SAG actors from from here and Yeah. Oh, where were they? Where were they? They were in Thailand, right? They were in Thailand. They're in Thailand. The SAG yeah. actors were like, "Nope, we're we're not going." Mhm. Mm and they said, "Okay." Uh, yeah, but that's that's going to be well, hopefully, hopefully he's real. He's had time, uh, you know, to realize that he, you know, that 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 the show needs me. Well, I well, I'll, and I'll mention it. Sure, though, that's what that. Yeah, what's happened. <laughs> yeah, it would have been great with Dave. No, oh sure yeah, that's it, was, what it was a lucky break for them. The strike happened. Yep. They had a yeah, chance exactly. to, to reassess. Still there. Yeah. And uh, and and for any uh, Jeff Russo deep cuts, there's always cursed on Netflix. Is, Still yep. playing, guys. Come on now. Uh, it's a great show. Keep, Keep hope alive. Mm -hmm. I know. I love that. So I much love that show. So oh, darn, much. I loved our work on that. It was it was a good time. But uh, we'll do it. Get, get the next one. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get in the lineup. Um. All right, buddy. You are a hero. Thank you for doing this. This was super cool. Hopefully, we scared some people and uh, they learned some stuff about composing. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, yeah. that's here for today. And we did it great. before either Diet Dave or I had to run and pee. Yeah, so and that's always a record. Yes. And great to see you in a place that isn't frozen. Yes. Really good to <laughs> yeah. see you too. And yeah. and Tom, it's always great. Haven't seen you in a while. So good to see you, pal. All out, right. of, uh, out of your parka. All mm -hmm. right. Catch Thanks, you later, man. everybody. Thanks so much, uh, Jeff Russo, everyone. Bye. Good night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.